when were the... What schools... Who decides what the next... Where's that story? Why they keep the loop? What is this? It's Curious City. Where WBEZ answers your questions... About Chicago, the region, and its people. Hey, I'm Stephen Jackson, and I want you to hear something. Obviously, the sound of church bells. You've probably heard bells that sound a lot like this, and you've probably ignored them, and you're not alone. Here at Curious City, we never paid much attention to bells either, until we met a guy who made us start thinking about not just the bells, but the bell ringers and the communities that are built around them. It all started with questioner Kent Oliven. One evening over dinner, Kent and his wife heard the sound of church bells wafting over from a nearby church. He thought it was pre-recorded. She thought it was real bells. I don't know there was an argument, but she seemed surprised that maybe someone would record it. It was beautiful music, and I just suspected that there wasn't uh, anybody who was actually playing that every night at 6 o'clock. Then Ken started wondering, are there any churches in the Chicagoland area that have bells played by real people? There are several churches in the Chicagoland area that have bells played by real people. Well, there you go. That's Kimberly Schaefer, a local bell expert and a self-described bell advocate. She says bells are kind of like the first radio. In the Middle Ages, they'd ring across the whole town, and people going about their business would soak it in. And it was also a radio in the, in the sense that it was playing the popular hits of the day. Opera arias and folk songs, other things that people would have recognized and known and liked. And in the days before people had their own timepieces, bell ringers would let you know... Time to wake up. Go to work. Okay, it's time for a break. Okay, time to resume work. Okay, time, it's curfew. Everybody go home. But as technology, like actual clocks and actual radios, progressed, the need for bells faded away. And eventually it became easier to automate, to remove the human element. Electromechanical systems started spreading in the early 20th century. Then, in the 1980s, they went digital, with pre-recorded bells coming out of speakers. But there are still some real humans playing real hand-rung bells in the Chicago area. I'm going to show you five of them. And each one has its own sound, its own unique history, and a distinct community of people surrounding it. Number one, you heard earlier. This is the chime at St. Mark's Episcopal Church in Evanston. It's more than 100 years old, and it's one of only two active chimes in the area. The bells are played from the first floor with a chime stand. It's a wooden console with nine wooden handles sticking out, each one connected by a cable to its corresponding bell up in the tower. St. Mark's only plays the chime on special occasions because their chime player is also their organist, and he's busy with that most of the time. Okay, moving right along. The second example is the Russian Orthodox ringing tradition called zvon. What is it exactly? It's hard to explain. Zvon is just another word for ringing the bells. Right. Philip Sokolov is the choir director at Christ the Savior Orthodox Church in River North. Every Saturday night and Sunday morning, he goes through a familiar ritual. A ritual that, according to Orthodox tradition, must be done by a person. No automatic bells allowed. I go to Father John and ask his blessing to start the ringing. He blesses me, and I head up to the bell tower, climb up the stairs, and then climb up the ladder. Pause for a minute to gather my bearings and to to think about what I'm about to do.
you know, we're told that the bells are the voices of the angels calling us to worship. So it, it starts your sort of religious experience from even before you enter the church. Ringing is so important to their practice that when the church didn't have a proper set of bells, they had to improvise. When we first started, we had acetylene tanks hanging in the uh, courtyard there. That's the priest, Father John Baker. He's talking about those big cylindrical metal tanks used for welding torches. So we cut the bottom off the welding tanks, uh, hung them up, and then we beat them with uh, ball-peen hammers. It was a small church. We didn't have much money. We still don't. (laughs) Someday, Father John hopes to buy another, bigger set of bells. For the third example of people-powered bells, I went to the Buddhist Temple of Chicago in Uptown, where every Sunday morning they ring a bell called the Kancho to announce the beginning of service. Gary Nakai strikes the Kancho with a wooden mallet. Although it looks easy, he says it's not. What is easy is overthinking it. The feeling that goes to your mind is, this is important, but don't screw it up. I mean, do it deliberately and... And pace it. After the concho is rung, service begins. Inside, there are two more bells, called dean gongs, that the reverend rings to punctuate the service. Infinite wisdom and compassion surrounds all people in all forms of life. For worshipers at the temple, the idea of automating the dean gongs or the concho is ridiculous. What's important is the ritual and the shared responsibility. The responsibility of everybody taking part. You know, next week it's your turn. Next week someone else. So then they all feel like they're on equal footing. Okay, the fourth example of people playing bells is called change ringing. Change, as in a change of clothes. Change ringing, I, I wouldn't suggest somebody really go out of their way to listen to change ringing. That's Tom Farthing, and believe it or not, he loves change ringing. He's been a ringer for most of his life. There's only one church in Illinois that does change ringing, St. Paul's in West Suburban Riverside, and they pack up their bells for the winter. But Farthing leads a small group of year-round amateur ringers at the University of Chicago. Look two, trouble's going, she's gone. Here's how it works. A bunch of people stand around in a circle, and each one holds a rope that connects to a bell up in the tower. They ring their bells one after another, making a waterfall of sound. But instead of ringing the same sequence every time, they switch up the order constantly, according to memorized patterns. In other words, change ringers, ring changes. It's a little bit of mathematical, but it's mostly uh, trusting people and, and working together. And, and when that happens, it's very, very satisfying. It's also very, very difficult. They mess up a lot, getting out of sync, bringing over each other. All right, yeah, yeah, let's just get a clean start. Sorry. Whether they're struggling through a tough pattern or getting it just right, a lot of their Hyde Park neighbors don't really like the way it sounds. They've gotten a lot of noise complaints. So usually they silence the bells by wrapping the clappers in thick cloth covers. 
so they can hear what they're doing, they rig up their bells with digital sensors that generate quiet bell sounds, piped into the practice room through an old desktop PC. The bells are loud, and some people find them obnoxious, and, and I can't fault them for that. It's meant to be a background sound. It's, bells are ringing, oh yeah, uh, I don't have to pay attention, but I should make my way to church now. It's like the original Muzak. Well, I, I don't want to say Muzak. <laughs> She's gone. Okay, so far we've covered the chime, zvon, the concho, and dingongs, and change ringing. The fifth and final bell actually played by people is the carillon, a medieval bell-ringing machine. So imagine a really large keyboard where you have batons, like broom handles, sticking out, and that's what you play with your fists. That's Kimberly Schaefer again. In addition to knowing a lot about bells, she also plays them. I pay her a visit at St. Christostom's Episcopal Church on the Gold Coast, where she plays the prelude and postlude for Sunday service. The carillon is in a tiny stone room in the bell tower, about four stories up. Directly above are the church's 43 bells, each one connected by a wire to one of those broom handle batons. When Schaefer isn't playing the carillon, she's working on her new organization, Chicago Bell Advocates. They're a small team of bell enthusiasts. They study bells and bell history, consult with churches and universities about bell upkeep and renovation, and teach bell playing lessons. Soon, Schaefer hopes to bring a lawyer on board to help churches fight noise complaint lawsuits. Obviously, I think bells are important. <laughs> they speak to our history. They have been used by Western society for well over a millennium, so I think we should still keep them ringing. After the usual hymns, Schaefer switches over to something a little more contemporary. Well, a lot more contemporary. This is Sunday Candy by Chicago hip-hop artist Chance the Rapper. Mixing church bells and hip-hop might sound crazy, or gimmicky, but it's kind of a throwback to the old days of bells and bell ringers, back when they were the timepieces and radios of the community, back when people actually noticed them. It's music that'll break through the modern soundscape of Chicago, and hopefully, someone will listen. Reporting for this story came from me, Stephen Jackson. Support for Curious City comes from the Doris and Howard Conant Fund for Journalism. Oh, and... If you want to learn more about bells, what they look like, how they work, and where they are in the Chicago area, go to wbez.org slash curiouscity. We've got an interactive feature with photos, videos, illustrations, and a few bell renditions of popular songs. I'm not saying Bohemian Rhapsody, but I'm not not saying Bohemian Rhapsody. Curious City is supported by Goose Island. Since 1988, Goose Island has been following their curiosity and have been committed to brewing beers for Chicago that are celebrated worldwide by beer critics and beer lovers alike. 
More at GooseIsland.com. We don't need to be the only beer you drink. We just want to be the best you drink. Next time on Curious City. You can own a rifle in Chicago, but there are no public ranges where you can practice shooting it. We used to have them. Kodak Labs had a range. University of Chicago had a range. YMCA's had them, the American Legion. There were two armories in Chicago that we shot at. Both of them were underground. So why did all those rifle ranges shut down? Find out next time on WBEZ's Curious City.